1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. We've made it to a Friday right here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the extra point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And guess what? With it being Friday, November 17th, that's right. Another Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits coming your way. Bob and I will go through the college football and NFL slate of games. There's a $100 gift certificate available for you up for grabs we're also looking for a weekend winner if you are today's lucky winner of the 100 gift certificate to von hansen's meats and spirits come with your weekend play toss five dollars on it we're looking for money for charity at season's end we're currently sitting at seven and four on the year looking to get back in the winners column this weekend uh, as it is though let's set the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question bob had a conversation with Jason Bristol of KHOU 11 in Houston to talk all things Houston Texans. And if you missed any of that, you can always podcast over at KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app. So who do you have ATS on Sunday? Cardinals plus five or Texans minus five? And Jason must be influencing some folks. Cardinals plus five is now leading the way at 57% of the vote. Texans trailing at 43%. Both teams coming off of victories, and that's the only uh, this is only the second time we've been able to say that all year. Obviously, the Cardinals just won their second game, and uh, when they won their first game against Dallas, they played San Francisco the next week when San Francisco was still intact and their team was really good. When San Francisco was rolling. That is exactly correct. <laughs> uh, we'll officially provide our answer today around 1230. Plenty of time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to the Twitter poll question at KDOS AM 1060. Did the Ravens unofficially clinch the AFC North on Thursday night? Yes, leading the way here at 75% of the vote. No trailing at 25%. And and let's just start right there uh, with Thursday night football here. The Ravens did top the Bengals 34-20. to 20, And so the outcome is the Ravens get another win in the win column. They get another win against an AFC North opponent. But I think the overarching mm-hmm. story here is injuries, whether it was injuries coming into the contest, injuries during the contest. That's true. Uh, injuries coming in and during, and maybe the case of Joe Burrow, right? Uh, depending yeah. on who you believe and uh, the NC, uh, the, the, I said the NCAA. Well, maybe they're investigating too, but it'll take a long time. I'm guessing the NFL investigation and the Bengals would take longer if it was the NCAA. Uh, so we'll see what's up. But, yeah, Burrow, uh, you know, there's a photo, there photos out there that you know, he had a brace on his hand or a wrist during practice last week. And then obviously that was injured in, uh, in the game on uh, on uh, Thursday night. And uh, now the NCAA, the, uh, can't, I keep saying the, the NFL is investigating as to whether there was knowledge because he was not on any injury report for the Bengals during the week. 
Yeah, and not only were there the photos, I mean, Al Michaels kept saying it over and over on the broadcast that he was wearing some sort of sleeve or some sort of protective wrap or something on his throwing yeah. hand. Then he goes down with the injury there. You, everyone has probably seen in some way, shape, or form in some sort of highlight if you didn't see it in real time during the Amazon Prime broadcast last night. Uh, Joe Burrow trying to grip the football on the sideline and throw it and immediately just be in a meet immense intense pain unable to grip the football him jogging off it looks like according to Ian Rappaport though that he is expected to get an MRI today to figure out what's going on initially Zach Taylor postgame called it a wrist sprain that was like one of the most vague press conferences of all time even for the NFL or even for a football coach and because he was uh, asked about whether Burrow was injured previously etc I didn't see this press conference until this morning. I just kind of went, whoa, this is like the all-time Dodge Fest here. So that's going to obviously be a huge thing to pay attention to. Uh, Joe Burrow, we know how important he is to this Bengals team. If not, it's going to be Jake Browning. He was in relief last night, 8 of 14, 68 yards and one touchdown. Other in, uh, injuries, though, flipping... Actually, you know what? Let's stay with the injuries on the Bengals' side of things. There were some yeah, important right. injuries on the defensive side of the ball for Cincinnati, too. Yeah, Cam Taylor-Britt and also G.J. Turner, two you know, their starting defensive backs got hurt and uh, not sure what their status is, but it uh, didn't seem terribly promising at the time that they would be playing anytime soon. So... Yeah, and that they're just you know, buried now. Anyway, they got a horrible record in the division. They got a horrible record as far as the AFC goes. So if they would, uh, if they made their usual late season run here, uh, they're in, they're in tiebreaker hell right now. Almost no matter who they're up against. Uh, yeah, for sure. They're sitting at five and five. And to your point here, uh, tough sledding ahead, even if everyone is healthy for the Cincinnati Bengals. On the Ravens side of things here, Lamar Jackson, uh, he wasn't without injury. There was an ankle injury to him. He was kind of rolled up on in the first quarter as he was scrambling out of bounds, but he main, uh, remained in the game and uh, performed well. Probably the biggest factor though for the Ravens and this is a huge one is tight end Mark Andrews he's expected to miss the rest of the season with a high ankle sprain and more according to Ian Rappaport Ian Rappaport defining and more as potential uh, ligament damage and other things that could need surgery on the season 45 catches on 61 targets 544 yards and six touchdowns that connection has always been there uh, with Lamar and Mark Andrews. Yeah, Valley product, Mark Andrews, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, one of the best tight ends, uh, arguably. Uh, actually, you can maybe make a case, you know, because you know, the, the you know, Kelsey has been inconsistent, and not not necessarily his fault in Kansas City, but uh, you can make a case that Andrews, uh, at least this season, might be the best tight end in the NFL. Yeah, he also blocks. <laughs> that also helps. Absolutely. Uh, so certainly, you know. We were very much looking forward to this Thursday night game. For me, the injuries that both of these teams had uh, going into the contest I kind of dampened the excitement down. Then just watching the game itself and injury after injury, uh, you know, yeah. you can't, it just kind of was really unfortunate to see all of that unfold. But 
huge ramifications for both of these teams and for the direction of these teams moving forward. Yeah, I think it's the whole league. I mean, I went to bed last night thinking, man, is there anybody that has a healthy team in this league right now? Um, you know, then I quickly went to sleep after that because I was really tired. But I did think that. I was just wondering uh, you know, how many – there are so – I've never seen – I probably have said this before, but I don't, I don't recall off the top of my head or you know, anywhere you – know, I've even had some hours to think about this. I don't remember this many key injuries, and I'm talking about difference-making players on so many good teams. There's not that many good teams in the league. And, you know, the product we've talked about seems to be lacking to start with, and it just seems to get worse every game. And last night's an example when, you know, the you know two of the top, you know, three players in the game, if you can you know, Burrow and Andrews and, you know, Lamar is the other guy and he's rolling around on the ground for a little while last night too. I mean, can anybody in this league stay healthy? I understand it's a violent sport. Violence, the key word of the NFL. We hear from every coach now. It's a violent sport has been for a long time, but I don't remember an accumulation of key injuries like this to, you know, on key teams. I mean, this is kind of an epidemic. Yeah, yesterday, you know, I, I called the AFC North like this defensive, uh, you know, battle that we always see. And it's almost like, uh, you know, mayhem uh, ensues. But I didn't mean literal injuries that were season-ending right. injuries. This was like a whole new level to what we're accustomed to with how the AFC North seemingly plays each other year in and year out. No doubt. And it's just not that division, though, as I mentioned. I mean, it's seemingly every team, every good team, of uh, which there's only, I think, like five or six anyway to start with. But you know, it seems like they all have at least one or two guys that are really important to their success that are either been, ding, uh, been dinged up or now currently or a couple of them have lost guys for the season. And they're, it's uh, – this has not been a good season, in my opinion, for the NFL for quality-wise, and a lot of it has to do with all the injuries to key players. Uh, for the AFC North, the Ravens now atop that division at 8-3, and three, the Steelers and the Browns at 6-3 and three, who play each other this Sunday, and the Bengals at 5-5, five and five, all kind of pertaining as well to the Twitter poll question at KDUS AM 1060, which we'll officially answer around 1230 today. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Pay them a visit at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. VonHansen'sMeats.net. The weekend specials for you. 45-day dry-aged beef tomahawk steak at $25.99 a pound. Prime bone-in pork butts at $3.99 a pound. And 8-ounce boneless chicken skewers, either butcher's blend and rosemary garlic at 2 for $12. That's the weekend specials over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits which has so much you should pay them a visit seriously and check out what they have to offer for your weekend grilling needs especially with the holidays upcoming as well we dive into the world of college football with the friday spread on the other side of the break it is the extra point right here on kdus am 1060 online at kdus 1060.com and with the kdus 1060 app
We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Eleven nineteen here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the extra point on this Friday, November 17th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Brian Blues of Pro Football Network. He'll be back with us at 12.15 today to chat NFL props right now. Bob and I start to dissect the world of college football for Friday spread brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. And, well, we have to start here. We have to start with the Michigan Wolverines and Maryland Terrapins. Michigan minus 19.5, Maryland plus 19.5, over-under sitting at 50.5 on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. But yesterday, the news, Jim Harbaugh agreed to the three-game suspension imposed by the Big Ten. Uh, He's already served his first game against Penn State. He'll miss Maryland's game. However, he's traveling with the team. So essentially, what missing all of the game is just game action. He's allowed to be a part of the game planning, week-to-week things. He's allowed to travel with the team. He just can't be on the sidelines in the game action, making decisions in that setting. He'll also then miss next week against Ohio State. Uh, Part of all of this here. Uh, and then in addition to that, this morning, they let go of their linebackers coach, too. Uh, so there's just a lot happening surrounding Michigan football. And there's also a report out there this morning that a prime prominent booster for Michigan is the one that funded the, you know, you know what's his first name? I'm sorry, Kayla. Stallions. Oh, what's Col- his first name? Uh, Connor. Connor Stallions, uh, the, uh, you know, the espionage man. Uh, the sign-stealing scandal was funded apparently by a Michigan booster, according to a couple of reports this morning, one from Yahoo. So, Wasn't the Michigan booster Mr. T? That is uh, that's apparently what they're calling him, at least in the, uh, you know, the, the one of the reports there. So I'm guessing that that's part of the reason that this hearing that was supposed to be this morning in Ann Arbor just kind of went away. As it is for the game here, Maryland is doing Maryland things post-September. It was a 37-17 yeah. loss to Ohio State, a 27-24 loss to Illinois, 33-27 loss to Northwestern, 51-15 loss to Penn State, but a 13-10 win over Nebraska last week. Uh, my thought here is, is Michigan, uh, you know, they certainly have this mantra now within the locker room that it's us against the world does that still remain relevant in this game against maryland or is there a little peak ahead to ohio state next week i think there's a peak ahead, but i want to know part of maryland they actually clinched a bowl game last week after they had the had won a game since september uh until last week so they now have clinched bowl eligibility uh you know you know Talia Tagovailoa uh, is uh, still throwing interceptions at a massive rate. Had a couple of more turnovers last week. He had seven turnovers the last two games. Uh, I have no use for him. I don't use. I'm no use for taking them. Uh, he has not improved. I thought he was actually going to be a pretty good quarterback like two years ago, but he's no better now than he was like two years ago. Michigan, uh, at least straight up, still 20, 22 and one with J.J. McCarthy as a starting quarterback. Uh, I just, there's no way there's, there may not be a team in college football that I'd take right now. Uh, if, 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 uh, the, no game I would take, uh, you know, Maryland playing anybody. I just think that they're horrible. 
They clinched that bowl thing last week. I don't know what they have to play for this week. Louisville and Miami. Louisville minus one and a half. Miami plus one and a half. Over under sitting at 46 and a half. It seems like this line has been going back and forth between who is the one point favorite and who's not this week. With a win, though, Louisville clinches the ACC title game berth against FSU. Also, FSU really needs Louisville to do that to help them with the CFP situation for their their squad. Miami has had, uh, I'm going to call it shaky quarterback play, but a decent running attack. Louisville, however, though, is ranked ninth in run defense, 12th in scoring defense, and 16th in total defense. Conversely, for Louisville, with their rushing attack with Jahar Jordan, uh, he needs just 24 yards to hit the 1,000-yard rushing mark this season. Yeah, I like Louisville in this game. Uh, and it's, it's as much you – know, I like Louisville's – you mentioned the run game. Their run defense has been ex- really excellent. And in you know, Miami's quarterback situation's a mess. The guy they really wanted in there is Thompson, who got a start last week and unfortunately suffered a horrendous injury uh, in the last couple of minutes of that FSU game, and he's out for the season. So the guy that they were you know, decided that they weren't going to use anymore, Van Dyke, is now the quarterback – I think the Miami fans are going to turn against them. It's also a huge letdown situation for Miami after that game against FSU last week in which they put everything they had into that. So I'm on Louisville in this game uh, tomorrow in uh, in Miami. Uh, then we have, I'm just briefly going to mention this here, uh, Tulane and FAU. Tulane minus 9.5, FAU plus 9.5, over-under sitting at 47.5. Tulane, though, is ranked 24th in the CFP rankings, and they're the only group of five team ranked. Tulane, though, has won their past four games by a total of 14 points, so that's not really uh, cruising to victories here. Meanwhile, FAU football is just 4-6 and six and seemingly rather inconsistent. Yeah, I was a big fan of Tulane last year. We recommended them on this show several times last year, and including uh, you know, not on this particular Friday spread show, but uh, had them against USC in the bowl game. They had some really they had the NFL players. Obviously, we've seen a couple of them in the NFL this year. They lost those guys. This is not a good team, and they've clearly benefited from the watered-down AAC, and that's the only reason they only have one loss so far this year. They were lucky to beat a really, really bad Tulsa team last week, 24-22. Then we have Utah and U of A here. Uh, this is a 12.30 p.m. game over on the Pac-12 network. Utah minus one and a half and U of A plus one and a half over under sitting at 45 and a half. Um, actually, you know what? This line also is flipping all over the place because this morning when I wrote this down, Utah was favored. Right now, Utah is the underdog at plus one and a half, U of A minus one and a half. So there we go. Uh, Utah, though, playing for a Pac-12 title is probably gone with last week's loss. U of, oh, yeah. a, U of A's offense is 468 third down conversion rate. They average 280 yards per game through the air, 157.7 yards per game on the ground. Will Utah's defense be able to slow down this very efficient U of A offense? And with so many key injuries to Utah, do they have enough left on offense? They don't. Uh, I'll get more into that in a second. The U of A is winning games because of their defense. Uh, Yeah, last year, for instance, they allowed – uh, 407 yards per game. That's down to 335 this year. 
The run game, they allowed 209 yards rushing per game last year. It's 99.8 this year. And Johnny Nansen, who's the defensive coordinator, is the reason that the U of A has shown so much improvement on defense. He's basically recruited some of the freshmen, but a lot of the transfers that have been a big part of their front seven and you know, with that rushing defense and so forth. That's why they're winning games this year. He's done a tremendous job. I think that they have to be a little concerned whether he's going to be staying at the U of A because I'm guessing that he might get some head coaching uh, looks in the West Coast because there's going to be some West Coast schools uh, and uh, Western region schools. I shouldn't say West Coast anymore because you know, a lot of those schools uh, in the West Coast are leaving the Pac-12 and going elsewhere. Uh, but you know, in the Western region, there's going to be several openings. There's already a couple at San Diego State and Boise, for instance. I wouldn't be surprised if he were in the running for those jobs. Utah is now 3-3 three and three in the last six games. Last week, they were great in the first half, 300-plus yards, and had the lead against Oregon. And then their starting left tackle, who was their second left tackle, got hurt. And they had a third left tackle in there who apparently, I just learned yesterday, had never played tackle in a college game before. And he's apparently the only guy they got left at left tackle this week. I thought I saw something last night that was talking about WSU and Oregon State being very close to coming up with an agreement with the Mountain West. So it's not that they're Correct. joining yes. them, but they're going to have some sort of alliance, if you will. I mean, maybe that word alliance is bad when we had alliance talk a couple of years ago. That's but, true. Scheduling-wise, right? Yes, scheduling-wise, yeah. and there will be some sort of round-robin type uh, thing yeah. happening between those two conferences. I don't think they have much choice. And one thing that could help them is UNLV – uh, which has not had a storied football program. In fact, rarely have they been even above average in football for literally 50 years. They're having a tremendous season. And uh, it looks like yeah, Barry Odom's done a tremendous job. Used to be the coach at uh, Missouri, kind of got screwed there when he got fired. Went to Arkansas, was the defensive coordinator in Arkansas. Uh, probably wants Barry Odom back right now because they're going to end up firing their head coach and their whole coaching staff, I'm guessing, at the end of the year. I assume that they might give Barry Odom a call, but I'm thinking that Odom's got things going so well in Las Vegas that this is uh, worth a shot. And Las Vegas is a hotbed for high school football. There have been many, many college quarterbacks and you know skilled players that have gone to many big-time schools around the country that are you know they were from Las Vegas. So that's, uh, it looks like they're building something football-wise in Vegas for the first time. And playing in the Raiders Stadium certainly doesn't hurt them any as far as recruiting goes. Absolutely. Georgia and Tennessee. Georgia minus 10.5. Tennessee plus 10.5. Over-under sitting at 58.5. The last time Tennessee beat a number one ranked team, you got to go back to 1985, September 28th against Auburn. Georgia, though, is absolutely in rhythm right now. Georgia has faced Florida, Missouri, and Ole Miss. And against those three teams, Carson Beck has completed 73% of his passes. You had Brock Bowers returning last week. So how much more playing time is he going to get working himself back into the offense? Tennessee's coming off of a big loss to Missouri. In that game, Missouri had 255 rushing yards against a Vols team that was ranked 12th in rushing success rate allowed. 
Uh, so that's not great news there for uh, Tennessee and their improved defense. Then on flipping this onto the offensive side, can Tennessee actually keep pace? Uh, I'm done with Tennessee. I had them last week against Missouri, and I had no chance in that game. So uh, my bad there. Uh, it's only the third road game of the year for Georgia, by the way. Tennessee has won 14 consecutive home games straight up. We'll see how it goes. Uh, you, know, you, got, you got Joe Milton for Tennessee, who you know, cannot put four quarters together against a good team. And you got you know, Beck as a you know, huge quarterback edge here for Georgia. You mentioned Bowers. He actually played a surprisingly high number of snaps last week. But you got Bowers, Lad McConkey, their best wide receiver, and their NFL-bound right tackle, Mims. They're all healthy for the first time this season. They're all healthy for the first time this season last week. I'm assuming they're still healthy here. But you know, in the notion of uh, rarely do I lay double digits uh, on the road in a college or pro game even though I might be doing it at a pro game, too, that we're going to cover later in the next hour, I guess. <laughs> so I might be doing it twice in one week if I were doing it on this game, but I'm not. But I just can't take Tennessee after they crushed me last week. They, gave, I had, they had no chance last week. The good news is I knew after like five minutes that I had no chance. The bad news, I was dumb enough to think they had a chance to win the game, and you know, they were favored to win the game. I thought they were going to win the game. They got crushed. Uh, UNC and Clemson here. UNC plus seven and a half. Clemson minus seven and a half. Over under sitting at fifty nine and a half. UNC has scored at least forty or more points in six of their last seven games, but their defense, uh, from what we saw earlier on in the season, is reverted back to what we saw last season. In the game against Notre Dame, Clemson capitalized on turnovers, but also got the ground game going with Phil Maffa. 36 carries, 186 yards. And then last week against Georgia Tech, Maffa, 17 carries, 96 yards. But the rest of the team was 44 carries for 260 yards. When you look at Drake May's numbers, 3,145 passing yards, a 65.8% completion percentage, 21 touchdowns to just six picks. It's Clemson or nobody for me. I was, you know, I actually kind of pinpointed this game last week, but after the games of last weekend, this game's just way too high for me. I'm not going to lay a touchdown or you know somewhere in that ballpark. And with Clemson, North Carolina's defense, as you mentioned, they actually got handed, and I mean handed a game last week. The AC, ACC officials screwed Duke in this game like two or three times last, last week. Two overtime game, 47-45. And like I said, there were two or three calls that were just atrocious that all favored North Carolina in that game last week against Duke. Seven and a half just seems like a massive number. Unbelievable. I'm thinking like three last week, and I'm going, okay, I can, you know, I'm looking forward to that game. I kind of got my little notepad here. You've seen that many times over the years. And I've got Clemson written down, and then I saw the number when it came out on Sunday morning at Circa, and I went, you got to be kidding. Six so I'm, more. I'm out. Six more college games for us to dive into on the other side of the break. We will get to that next. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Make sure you're paying a visit to our friends, Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler, or visit them online at VonHansen'sMeats.net. 
Friday spread continues with more college football action on the other side of the break. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Claro here with you in the extra point on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app continuing our Friday spread conversation college football at the moment UCLA and USC maybe this game doesn't have as much luster as it would have a couple of weeks ago UCLA on. <laughs> Uh, UCLA plus six and a half USC minus six and a half over under sitting at 65 and a half Uh, UCLA has lost three of their last five and USC has lost four of their last five question who's starting at quarterback for UCLA the narrative certainly surrounding UCLA is more about what's going on uh, with Chip Kelly's future saw something the other day uh, that potentially well, if Chip Kelly is, in fact, out at season's end, one of the biggest names that they would like to go after would be Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. Correct. Yeah, something I talked about yesterday in the sports zone, in fact. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a name out there. Even though you know, Smith has ties to Corvallis, not just because he went to school there. Apparently, there's family things. That's one of the reasons that he actually you know, left Washington, where he might have eventually become the head coach there had he stayed. Uh, as, uh, and went back to Corvallis there. So there's other, there apparently some other considerations, but I, I have heard that same thing about him. Uh, Smith being a possibility for uh, for uh, for U- UCLA. Uh, all I have down written on this game is uh, you know, typed to, in my computer, actually, to be more accurate. UCLA versus USC. Bad offense versus bad defense and Caleb Williams' final home game. So there you go. That's my analysis. We'll move to Oregon and ASU. It's a 2 p.m. kickoff on Fox from Tempe on Saturday. Oregon minus 23.5, ASU plus 23.5, over-under sitting at 53.5. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Um, Oregon can't slip up if they want to remain in the CFP talks. Oregon's defensive front, though, and offensive line should be able to physically dominate this contest. ASU will need more trickery, but will that be enough against Oregon? with the efficiency of Bo Nix and the running game of Bucky Brooks. How many tricks can you come up with? I, mean, I don't know. It's quite inventive. It, it definitely, that's an excellent word. That, that's exactly what they've been doing. It seems like they add two or three things every week. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I've been around for a long time. I've seen a lot of trickery, and I've seen stuff I haven't seen either ever or for a really long time. So good for them. Uh, ASU's uh, won two of the last three games straight up, and in between was the 55-3 to loss uh, to Utah, so we'll see what's up with that. Uh, bad scheduling spot for Oregon is the best case you could make uh, for taking ASU in the points here. They're off the game against USC, and they have Oregon State next week. 
Absolutely. Uh, Kansas State and Kansas here. Kansas State minus nine and a half. Kansas plus nine and a half. Over under sitting at 57 and a half. Kansas State has won 14 in a row. It's been a lopsided rivalry between these two. Question, who is left to play quarterback for Kansas? There's no Jalen Daniels. And what's the status on Jason Bean after he left last week's game? K-State football seems to have found their rhythm now. It was a 59-25 win over Baylor last week. Yeah, it's K-State or nobody. Uh, yeah, Kansas uh, likely down to their third quarterback, who's a true freshman, who played three quarters last week, and I had Kansas last week, and as soon as uh, Bean got hurt, I was done. Uh, in fact, how often do you see a 98-yard touchdown, or 98-yard drive, no touchdown, 98-yard drive with no points? Kansas did that last week. That's, you know, you just look at the field and there's 100 yards. You go 98, you don't score. That's uh, that's kind of bad, not good. Uh, so, no, I'm not going to be on Kansas. I think, you know, that wasn't my, nobody's, it wasn't anybody's fault. It wasn't my fault. That wasn't a dumb bet last week. It just, uh, he got hurt and I, that was the end of the game, even though they played the rest of the game, unfortunately. Florida and Missouri, Florida plus 10 and a half, Missouri minus 10 and a half over under sitting at 57 and a half. Uh, there's plenty of left to play for for Missouri after their big win over Tennessee last week. A major bowl is potentially on the line yeah. for the Tigers. Florida football, meanwhile, has lost three in a row. Uh, the ground game still has been pretty solid here for Florida of late. It's more or less been the defensive efforts. And of course, there's questions about Billy Napier's status at season's end. And Graham Mertz sucks. Uh, we're, we've now got confirmation on that. You can't blame the Wisconsin coaching staff or coaching staffs at Wisconsin for that anymore. Uh, he was overrated when he came out of high school as one of the, if not the high school quarterback to recruit. And he went to Wisconsin. That was a big coup at the time. That turned out to be a disaster. And it's been pretty much a disaster in Florida. As far as Missouri, they're going to finish 10-2. and two because uh, I'm guessing they're going to win this game and they play Arkansas next week, so they should win both those games. Their two losses uh, have been against LSU, which is a game that they just totally gave away at home, and then they lost to Georgia. And while the scoreboard maybe, maybe kind of gave you an idea that they had a chance to win that game, they really didn't. Uh, but uh, Cody Schrader is probably still running for yards against the Tennessee team that we talked about earlier. He had a 205 yards rushing in that game. Uh, and 116 yards receiving in the same game. And uh, Burden actually came back and did play that game for Missouri last week, so I assume he's healthy enough to play again this week. Texas and Iowa State, Texas minus seven and a half, Iowa State plus seven and a half, over under sitting at 46 and a half. No Jonathan Brooks for Texas, torn ACL. That's a huge, massive loss to their offense. Uh, and then Texas here, though, of late, has let Houston and TCU, two not good teams, hang around late in the game. Accurate, not good teams. That's a, totally accurate for sure. Uh, I'm on uh, Iowa State in this game. Uh, yeah, they've won four of their last five games straight up. Uh, Matt Campbell is uh, has a good underdog, home underdog history especially. Uh, this is a night game. It's one of these blackout games, I guess, is what they're doing in, uh, in Ames, Iowa this week. Uh, and uh, you mentioned all the things that are going against Texas. Ewers did come back and play last week, and he was pretty good. Yeah, in fact, he was really good, uh, statistically at least, 22-33 for 317. He also threw an interception that put them in danger of blowing that game last week. But, 
You know, I think that's a pretty good game, first game back considering he missed two or three games and had a bye week in there. So he was out for more than just a couple of games, a couple of weeks, I should say, because they had the bye week. So I'm on Iowa State in this game. Go clones. Is that what you're supposed to say when you're Iowa State? I have a friend I have a friend that went to Iowa State. I should know that, but I don't. So I'm, I'm a, go clones. That's what I'm going to stick with that. And if, uh, if they lose, I'll never say it again. If they win, I'll be saying it like all day Saturday. Well, when you're just Actually, saying, I won't, be, cl- I won't be saying it all day Saturday because it's a Saturday night. I'll say it on Sunday. Oh, all right, <laughs> so. fair enough. Uh, the last game that we're going to talk about here has put, uh, potentially a lot of implications riding in the Pac-12. It's UW and Oregon State. Uh, UW plus one and a half, Oregon State minus one and a half, over under sitting at 62 and a half. Now, these two teams match up for just the fourth time ever as both being ranked in the contest. Oregon State could seriously do damage to UW CFP hopes here. Is UW's running game, though, is it a thing now with Dylan Johnson? 23 carries, 104 yards versus Utah last week. We know what he did against USC's defense the week before. Oregon State, though, is seventh in sacks per dropback. Meanwhile, UW is just fourth in sacks allowed per dropback. Oregon State certainly can run the football themselves behind their running backs, Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick, 6.3 yards per carry for those two guys. And then DJU, he's actually completing 10.9 air yards per pass, which is good to be ranked 13th in college football. I've been a DJU supporter all along here. I thought he got just horribly coached at Clemson. He has not thrown an interception since September of this season. Uh, So he's been really efficient. You mentioned the running game. They have a really good offensive line. I'm not going to be betting specifically on this game because I kind of already have a bet in some, you know, one way at least because they still have a chance to go to the Pac-12 championship game. And I have a 10-to-1 ticket that they win the Pac-12 from before the season started. Oregon State 16-1 and straight up and against the spread. Both of those 16-1 and uh, in their last 17 home games. The only loss straight up was when they lost a game to USC last year that they actually should have won. As far as Washington, obviously I've not been a big fan of their team. Uh, They've somehow won. They actually could have lost four of their last five games. Uh, They should have lost the Oregon game, but Dan Lanning's an idiot. Arizona State should have lost that game, but unfortunately Arizona State decided to throw a pass, and that was a pick six and the only touchdown that Washington scored in that game. Stanford beat uh, Washington, or did not beat Washington. They could have beaten Washington, but they had a trick play, which was an easy pitch and catch and would have been a touchdown to give them the lead in the fourth quarter. They botched that up. And then Utah had the lead at halftime last week, and they were down to their third left tackle and couldn't even get like almost a yard in the second half of the game. But I keep hearing that Washington should be like a national championship level team. They're nothing close to that. Should be a fun one. I think it's the ABC game, right, on fi- at 5.30? That I'm not positive, but uh, that would make sense. If it's a 5.30 game, that, uh, I assume that's why it's a 5.30 game. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, they're not your normal meat market. Craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats for your four-legged friends. Visit them, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. The 
uh, weekend specials for you. 45-day dry-aged beef tomahawk steak at $25.99 a pound. Prime bone-in pork butts at $3.99 a pound. And 8-ounce boneless chicken skewers, butcher's blend, and rosemary garlic at 2 for $12. That's what's happening this weekend over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. There's still a $100 gift certificate up for grabs for you. We'll get into the NFL on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point. Listen to rewards for you with the KQS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits getting into the NFL slate of action for Sunday. It is the extra point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. And Bob, it's it's another week here in the NFL where I'm sad. Uh, the matchups are not great. There's massive double digit uh, double digit yeah. contests here. So we'll try to I'll figure add, out I'll what add to one do. More thing. I'll add one more. There is one game that has teams above 500 on Sunday against each other, and that's the DTR and Pickett game. Something to really look forward to. That's the game. Yeah, and when we get to that game, uh, I know I have some sort of jarring statistic about the Steelers and their offense, yet they're still winning games and above 500. Well, I got some defensive stats, which is why they're winning games. So this will be great. <laughs> we'll start, though, in Lambeau with the Chargers and the Packers. Uh, Chargers minus three, Packers plus three, over-under sitting at 43 and a half. Can A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones combo run the ball on this Chargers defense? I did see here that Brandon Staley has announced He's going to continue calling the defense for the Chargers here. Uh, then the next question for the Packers side of things, can Jordan Love avoid costly interceptions? And maybe we saw yes or last week, I should say, the best game from Justin Herbert so far this season after a clunker Monday night against the Jets. It was 27 of 40, 323 yards, four touchdowns and one pick against the Lions, but it wasn't enough in that contest either. Uh, Herbert's had several clunkers, uh, which is, you know, I don't know how I'm still I'm somehow winning some fantasy football games when I don't expect to. And he hasn't been great. And, you know, Sam Howell's been good. That's kind of helped me out a little bit. But anyway, uh, you mentioned Brandon Staley and also Jordan Love, which are the two reasons I have no interest in this game at all as far as betting goes. The one thing I will say is that Keenan Allen, who has a you know looked like a bad shoulder injury last week, has one of those uh, you know AC joint sprain sprain things. He said on Thursday he's going to play. I don't know if the team's officially agreed with that yet, but we'll see. And you know, considering how many other wide receivers they've lost to injury, they need him out there. Uh, then we go to the Titans and the Jaguars. Titans now plus seven, Jaguars minus seven, over under sitting at 40 and a half. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Did we see the real Will Levis last week? Uh, the yeah. Rookie, <laughs> the rookie shine had fallen off last week for Will Levis. 
but the Titans on the road seems to be a real thing this year where they really do struggle. As for the Jaguars, they're coming off of a very disappointing loss to the 49ers. I'd argue non-competitive loss against the 49ers. Uh, the question here, can the Jaguars defense bottle up Derrick Henry and force Will Levis to beat them? And Derrick Henry has, you know, this is going to be part of the next hour, in fact, when we get to the prop bet question. So don't see, don't be stealing my prop bet question about Derrick Henry next week, okay. next hour here. He is a trashed. He's from Jacksonville. He has destroyed the Jags in his career. This might be like the last chance he gets to do this as a member of the Titans. So we'll see if that happens again. Uh, Will Levis apparently not canton bound after the last you know, game and a half here. Uh, however, you got Trevor Lawrence. There was actually a question asked this week in NFL Network, will they even pick up his fifth-year option? Uh, he hasn't been that bad. Uh, but his efficiency in the red zone, that's something I've actually talked about for two years now. And now the Jags are just struggling getting to the red zone. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the Titans are bad on the road. The Jags have been awful at home. Uh, then we have the Raiders and the Dolphins here. Raiders plus 12.5, Dolphins minus 12.5, over-under sitting at 46.5. The Raiders have won two games in a row with interim head coach Antonio Pierce, but let's put a caveat there. It was against both New York teams. Uh, th there certainly are plenty of shortcomings on this Raiders defense, and maybe they have been masked statistically by two of the worst quarterbacks in the league. The Dolphins now, though, we know what they've been doing uh, against Ben teams that are under 500 we know what they've been doing against teams above 500 they're undefeated at home this season they average seven yards per play and guess what devon achan he's expected to be back at running back however his two starting guards are going to be out uh so yeah robert jones and robert hayes uh that's a big deal for miami uh, so that gets me off of the uh, Miami side. There's, not, I, I want to go against the Raiders. You mentioned uh, their two wins. You have the Antonio Pierce turning around the Raiders, you know, program and organization, etc. Well, they beat the two New York teams. See, maybe if the Raiders were playing Rutgers this week, I'd take the Raiders. That's a New York, New Jersey team. Uh, but that's about it. I will say one thing though: Patrick Graham was the Ra Raiders defensive coordinator. He has these guys playing the best they can possibly play if you consider their talent level, which ain't great, but their play has been really great in a couple, not just the last couple of games, but they've been playing at a pretty decent level most of the season. I think Patrick Graham deserves credit. Antonio Pierce getting all this uh, credit from whomever is just bogus. We have plenty more NFL games to get to to kickstart our number two. In addition to that, Brian Blewis around 12.15 or so to chat with us. NFL prop discussion. He's coming to us from Pro Football Network. Looking forward to our number two in just a few minutes after the break.